Hi, this is Carmel and Lindsay, and you're listening to Single and Mighty, the podcast for single parents living mighty lives. And today we're talking to Lisa Coons. Lisa is a single parent who years ago started a side hustle to pay the bills, pay the rent, make a little extra money on the side. She set up on at her kitchen table when her kids were small. And over the years, she grew that into a seven-figure business, and it began to be a really serious enterprise for her. What I loved about Lisa was she has really figured out how to make space for what's important to her in her career while being an excellent parent and not necessarily following the rules the way that we might think of them. Mm, And I loved the mindset piece in this where she really talks about using your constraints as opposed to being held back by them. And I think that's Mm -hmm. such a powerful reframe that anybody can use in their life, no matter what's going on. Yeah, this talk had me thinking about all different kinds of creative ways to juggle, you know, driving kids to activities, handling things in the summer when maybe the kids are home more often, and making space for all the things that matter to you the most. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I find that when summer comes around, there's, well, even before, if you're a real planner, uh, there's that, oh my God, what are we going to do with the kids? And it's especially challenging when you're a single parent, whether you're Uh 50-50 or you have your kids most of the time, there's always that, that challenge. And the beautiful thing about summer is that you have this opportunity to create whatever you want because you're not constrained by school. (laughs) You might have other constraints, but you're not constrained by the usual, well, they got to get to school. So, you know, it can, it can be, if you want it to, this opportunity of what mm-hmm. do we want to create for the next two months? Yeah. So if you're looking for a way to get through summer and do well by all the goals you set for yourself and your kids, uh, this is a great one to listen to. This is one where definitely I, I wrote down a lot of things and made some mental shifts myself that I hope you'll also hear as a listener, things that inspire you and also give you some structure to work with this summer. And beyond right and beyond absolutely <laughs> okay with that let's get into it Three, two, one. hey lisa thanks so much for joining us today it is really exciting to have you on the show i've, I've been watching you you've been one of my professional crushes for a while and um being a single parent and really really rocking your both your parenting and your personal journey as well as your professional journey so thanks for jumping on today My pleasure. I love what you guys are putting out into the world, and I love how narrow your your niche is, as we call it, and that a message like this fully resonates with the right audience. And I believe that um, by instead of just kind of being super broad and helping a lot of people a little bit, messages like this are are just really life-changing for some people that are listening. Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your single parent story? Um, So how did you become a single parent? And, you know, what did you feel like going into that, that journey? Yeah. 
Um, I was reflecting back before our call today just to, to think through that because it's been um, really almost six years now. And even as I added it up, of course, you're like, no, that's not possible. But, you know, as we know, time flies. <laughs> and um, part of my journey started before I um, got divorced in that my husband at the time traveled a lot and I was on my own for six weeks, nine weeks, 12 weeks at a time. And so I think I got a good taste <laughs> of what it was like to um, kind of be the only one on the ground. And when my daughter was three and my son was born, he was six weeks old, I left my full-time job and started working online as a virtual assistant. Now, this is back in 2008 before anybody even knew what a virtual assistant was. I had to Google it. I found a freelancing platform, put my picture up, wrote a few words, and I was applying for jobs. And so from a very, very young age of my kids, I have been a, a working, work-from-home mom. And then there was lots of seasons where I was doing that single, not technically single, but single um, in terms of uh, manpower. In 2016, when the marriage ended and we separated, I moved out on my own. And almost around the same time, I left my full-time job. It was a really big year for me. <laughs> You're not supposed to do lots of things all at once, but I just jumped in and um, got divorced, found a new place to live, and um, already knew that I was going to be leaving my job. So there was a lot of transition going on. For me, it helped fuel my motivation. It helped fuel me to know that I was responsible, that there was no safety net. Um, I also live in California and all of my family live in New York and Florida. So I had zero family. So when we talk about single parent, we're talking about having to ask, you know, the local mom or your neighbor to pick up if there's an emergency. You know, I didn't have a lot of emergency contacts. I had to ask my friends what their phone numbers were to put it down. So there really was a sense of no safety net. And for many people that works. No plan B, no safety net. There's no way to turn around and second guess yourself. You're like, this, this is my choice. And so that first year of being single and also becoming a, I guess, a part-time freelancer or a side hustling freelancer all happened at the same time. And it was a crazy, it was a crazy time. And we can, we can get into what that feels like when you're starting a job or you're working. But of course the kids needs come first. And this story may, may sound familiar to a lot of people, but I would get up early before the kids went to school and I would work. And then I would be there to get them off to school. I would work while they're at school, bring them home, do homework and cook dinner, make sure they had baths, they were ready, they got their homework done. And then out came my work again. And so I would work in shifts and many people can appreciate that. And so that was probably for, you know, two or three years. That was that kind of pace of that schedule. That is, um, and I, th I think you're right. A lot of people that's familiar for, uh, certainly for me, um, when I, I, I also, I worked full time and then quit my job and was a single parent almost at exactly the same time. <laughs> and, um, I did the same thing, working in shifts and, um, you know, doing the best that I could with the options that were available to me. So for you, how did you wrap your head around this new reality? Because I think 
there can be a tendency to really get caught in the struggle of it all. Like, oh, I'm getting up early and I'm working and then I'm doing the kids things and then I'm working more before I go to bed. And then like, just, you kind of feel like you're on a hamster wheel. So how did you, how did you successfully do that without getting into burnout? So, um, when I got divorced, um, a weight was lifted off and a newfound freedom and a new exuberance for life and new energy flowed in because I was not spending a lot of my energy trying to communicate. We divorced very amicably. In fact, we didn't even have to go to court. Everything was just like, yes, yes, 50-50. So um, I, I want to just paint that picture that it was as best it could be, right? But when you're in any situation, financial, health, relationship, that is not, you're not aligned, or there's friction, or there's chaos, or even um, real uh, toxic, the energy, the mental energy and the physical energy that goes into that, that can then be shifted and replaced into something where you have freedom and you have choice and you're not micromanaged. I believe was a reservoir that I wasn't tapping into before. So I was working before we got divorced and then we got divorced and I moved out. Literally there was this lightness. <laughs> Literally there was this exuberance because I got to make all the decisions and I wasn't second guessing myself and I wasn't having to have three hour, you know, you know, meetings about whether I could do this or not. So I probably come at it with a little different approach. There was a lot of, um, you know, excitement around that. The resentment starts to set in when things start working. Um, I coach freelancers today, and there's a lot that they want when they're trying to get clients, and it literally happens in a snap second where they start getting clients, and there's a whole different problem. I don't have enough time. I feel like a bad mom. I don't have enough time to exercise, right? Things are going great, but... And I think so the, the resentment start to set in maybe six months down the road after I stopped being so scared, it was all going to fall apart. And I was like, okay, we're good. And as, the moment I kind of was able to be like, okay, I'm good. Is this what I really want? Do I want to get up at five o'clock in the morning? Do I really want? So it was just a whole different set of questions and a whole different kind of challenge to solve to figure out how to manage schedules and things like that. Yeah. So what did your schedule look like in those early days when you were trying to get to that point where you felt like you were able to float on your own and not not constantly in survival mode looking for every little bit that you could get? Great. It's a great question. Um, there, I worked weekends. I worked nights. You know, not one of these like I was up till 2 a.m. I'm not a proponent of, you know, Gary Vee that says build, build a business from 10 till 2 a.m. You know, I it didn't have to be like that. I will tell you this, that old saying that when you want something done, give it to a busy mother. There, there is an, and I'll tell you because I, I coach, uh, freelancers like on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And I have several that literally have from 8am to like 5pm all day uninterrupted. They get way less done than someone um, who, I'll, I'll pick on myself, who is running two businesses, half a million dollar in both businesses, and is doing school pickups and drop-offs. When you have these focused time blocks that you have to get stuff done in, 
I feel that you can be much more um, productive when you have those boundaries. I am a huge fan of boundaries because that um, allows you to have like a quick start and a quick finish. And it's like it's like a little report card. You're like, did you get it done or you didn't get it done? So there is, um, you guys are familiar with Parkinson's law that says that we expand to the amount of time we have or the amount of money we have or, you know, if we have all day, we use all day. When we have an hour, we use an hour. So um, I think in some ways it's a secret strategy for um, anybody who can time block. And if school drop-offs and school pickups are some of your time blocks, there you go. They're already built in for you. So it's kind of flipping the script, right? That's kind of seeing what might be a huge obstacle and seeing it as, okay, this is going to give me the guardrails I need to stay focused and productive. I love that. And, and you talked a little bit. Oh, go ahead. And it switches up your energy. You would think, and I can tell you, ladies, trust me, I've written down in my journal and my vision, I wish I had uninterrupted days. I wish I could have a full work week like everybody else. I wish I could work nine to five and blah, 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 blah all the things, right? I just did. And I have had a few of those days and I've seen it for myself. And I was like, oh, that is what you would do if you had all those hours. Because most of us don't need that much time to get stuff done, right? The other benefit to having time block is you have to be ruthless with what is important and what is not. And you have a a, a mirror that's put right up to your face. It's like, okay, what do I have to get done today? And um, I think that allows us to prioritize and let some of the stuff go that we don't need to have anyway. So what was your process to get there? Obviously, like you started out, you were working weekends, you felt like your time was like a bit bit of a mess, it sounds like, like Mm -hmm. all of us when we're starting out, and then your problems get bigger because you get successful, you're making those revenue goals, and all of a sudden, you need to be really careful about where you spend your time. So how did you figure that out and get over that hurdle? Um, There's a couple things that um, I was able to shift in my mindset. And this happens to, I think, most of us, that sometimes our outward success or productivity um, doesn't, our our internal identity doesn't keep up with that. So how we see ourselves and what is actually true about our results don't always line up. And for the first like year, I was like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom who side hustles on the side. You know, I, you know, I just side hustle to make some extra money. I just got to pay the rent. Well, honestly, at the end of the year, when I went to my accountant, he's like, oh, we made $125,000. And I was like, first of all, I've never made that much money. I didn't ever know anybody who made that much money. I was that naive. And here I was still describing myself as a struggling side hustling stay at home mom. So what you see as your identity is going to form your decisions, your behavior, your beliefs, and you're not looking at the true reality of what's going on. So I had a mentor share with me years ago um, when I was struggling with this getting paid by the hour and you know, I could either get paid or do the laundry. I could either get paid or I could make dinner. I could either get paid. There's always this struggle of like there's always enough work and I could be making more money and I love working. If I'm honest, and all the things we tell ourselves we have to do, right? And as a single parent, you do have to do them. <laughs> it's this period. 
So he said to me once, he's like, do you like cleaning your house? And I was like, no. He's like, how much does a cleaner cost? At the time, it was like $20 an hour. He's like, how much do I pay you? And I was like, $50 an hour. I was like, literally, the light bulb went off. He's like, what if you worked while they cleaned your house and you made $75 or whatever, $150, and you paid them $75 or whatever? I was like, oh my God. I just had no, it was like a paradigm shift for me. And so when you talk, Lindsay, about the, 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 the problem of success, you've got to be willing to shed the old belief and, and behavior and step into that new thing. So I hired somebody to come and clean once a month, right? Um, I started getting my groceries delivered. Um, I'll tell you one of the greatest things I did about two years ago, and I'm telling you, I had a lot of hangups about this. I hired somebody to pick up my kids after school. And for three hours, they were on duty three days a week to do all the school drop-offs and pickups and practices and recitals and like all the things. And, oh, you better believe I felt guilty for a while. And then I was like, who's the smart one here? Like, who doesn't have to leave the house and pick up some cranky kids who don't want to talk to me anyway because they're hungry and tired? So, right? So I was like... Oh, see, sometimes you got to be creative, but if you're like, Oh, that's not what a mom does. That's not what a stay at home mom does. Then you'll never, you'll never think about the ideas and the strategies that you need to be able to help you sustain where you've already gotten yourself to. That's amazing. Um, and it's, it's funny cause I'm, I, I can see a lot of my own experience in yours and also uh, like I, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't wait to go back to work after my maternity leave ended. Like I just, I needed adult time and I loved my son, but I needed adult time. I, I also love to work. And so my son went to daycare from day, you know, one year old. And yeah. even after he went into school, he had after school care. So yes. I always had somebody and I, I kind of felt like, Oh, it would be really nice if it was me picking him up instead of, you know, someone else. And, and then I thought, you know what, I just, I need this. This is one less thing I have to stress about, you know, time-wise and everything. It's worth it for me to have someone do this. And so many and I think parents- it makes a huge difference when you can accept it. Yes. And so many parents, especially here in Los Angeles, leave the house at 730 and go to work and get home at 630, you know? And so, yeah, I absolutely, I put my kids into after school care. I made sure they were in all the sports they could, they could get into. You know, I, I found a way to get some of them to walk home. Like there was lots of different ways. And in hindsight, it's not even hindsight, we're in the middle of it. I um, have just made them incredibly independent. I have, they are not needy for me at all. They make their own choices when it comes to those things. And yeah, I, I always say I'm a better mom when I'm working. And then that means I show up just better when I'm not working and I can actually turn it off. I can turn it off. That is one thing I, I am very good at compartmentalizing when I'm working. I don't have kids. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. And then when I'm on the weekends, I'm not working, you know, so I am able to compartmentalize. (laughs) Well, and I think for parents who are struggling with that, like, I love the idea of getting someone to do the pickup. It takes, I I carpool, so I do 50% and it takes two hours out of every afternoon. It's still a huge compromise. But when you talk about getting your weekends free and you you talk about getting those important times free, I think that's the payoff at the end. So you can be a busy mom and pulling some work into Saturday mornings or mm-hmm. Sunday afternoons because you're picking up from school every day and it's just like putting huge craters into your day. Or you can decide this is sacred work time so that I have sacred family time too. And it, it can be a really empowering decision as a parent 
as opposed to getting in your own head and, and really judging yourself for that. Yeah, there's way too many shoulds, way too many shoulds about what you're supposed to. Um, I think surrounding yourself with like-minded people is important where people understand you. And if you're hanging around all the PTA moms and always having to say no, you're just going to feel bad all the time. And you don't, you just don't need that. And your kids don't need to see that either, right? You, you train your kids how to treat you and how to see you. And my kids know they're like, Oh, my mom loves to give. She just gives money. She doesn't give time. And I was like, yep. That's how I contribute, right? And I just am straight up with them about that. And so we just have honesty. Instead of just trying to hide how you feel about things, really it's an opportunity to, to come to grips with how you feel. And it allows you to be all of the good parts of the parenting mix instead of just being diluted everywhere. Yeah. What's, um, what's a piece of advice that you would give to someone who is maybe a, a brand new single parent and... Um, struggling with the idea of being a single parent with, you know, the, the potential challenges that maybe haven't even surfaced yet. Yeah. The first thing I would say to anybody who even introduces the word struggle is to um, understand that there is resistance that you're holding. You're holding resistance to something that is already, it already is. So you're, you're trying to push against or rail against something that is reality. And so you're only, you're just, you're suffering. You're, 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 you're causing your own self to suffer by continually wishing it was different than it currently is. And, you know, by accepting what is, it goes a long way to just freeing up some energy to come up with creative ideas. It is really hard to, to think of, um, better, faster, easier ways to do things when you're still kind of stuck in this shouldn't be, it's not fair. I didn't ask for this. Um, so this goes into therapy and psychology, which I'm not qualified, but I just know that anytime we have resistance and yet we want to, you know, lay out our vision and, and plan for the future and figure things out. You're, you're just coming from two different energies. They're just not the same. So the first thing is to just, you know, in the 12-step program, whatever, I don't even know them all. I just know one of them is like, let go, like, let's let it go so that you can allow space for creative ideas to come. So that's one. Um, let me, I'm going to share a couple things. I'm going to share just a really quick paradigm shift I had that was super powerful for me. And then I'll share a couple tips of advice of practically um, how I saw that happen. Um, many years ago when the kids were kind of younger and I was progressing in a career, even working from home, um, and I got pregnant with my third one that was unexpected. And it was kind of like I, I kind of saw the light and then was like jerked back. That's how I felt, right? I felt like, wait. Um, and I used to have this reoccurring um, vision of being like a horse, like a black stallion that's always wanting to run and having the bridle in my mouth and always being like pulled back, like just ambition and drive and ah. And I used to subconsciously equate that bridle and that pulling back as my kids. I used to say underneath that I would be further along if it wasn't for my kids. And you can use this line of thinking for anything. 
if only, or I would be, if only this wasn't how it was, right? And I was sharing this with a, a woman who was kind of like a therapist, and it got me really emotional because I truly, truly believed that. And imagine if you believed that your husband, your partner, your parents, your kids, your weight was the thing that was holding you back. Because of course, that's outside of you. It's being, it's happening to you. You're a victim of whatever is doing this to you. Okay, I'm being dramatic here, but that that's really what it is. We're being dramatic, like... It's not fair. Right? Kind of dramatic, but but not necessarily that dramatic. Um, it's true. It happens. It's true. And there's people who are going to listen to this because I, I know is it, it, to say, yeah, I would be further in my career. I would be making more money. I'd be living where I want. I wouldn't be in my parents' bedroom. I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for that man, that kid, that this, that, that, okay, whatever. For me, it was my kids. Okay. And it makes me sad even thinking about it because it just, whew, the lies we tell ourselves. And then when you have a fundamental belief like that, imagine all the little beliefs and decisions and behaviors that are based off of that, right? And little resentments that come in. And so um, the therapist said, well, tell me what life would be like if you didn't have kids, Lisa. She's like, take the picture. Yeah, go for it. Like, tell me how fabulous you would be. And I was like, well, actually... When I got pregnant, I was a backpacking gypsy living in China teaching English, and I had no money, and I had this, and I was like, actually, my life really wasn't that glamorous. Um, and if I'm true, I probably would still be wandering around kind of not knowing what I was doing. Like, it was so sobering. <laughs> it was so sobering to realize, oh, actually. And she's like, so you telling me that having kids grounded you? And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And she said, and are you telling me that that by being at home, instead of going out to work in a fabulous job in a high-rise building, that you had to create your own business and career? And I was like, oh, yeah. And she's like, how's that going for you? I was like, really good, actually. I'm, I'm killing it. I'm, I'm actually doing really, really well financially. And she's like, oh, so maybe your kids helped you and didn't hold you back? And I, I mean, I literally, everything broke. I was like... What a freaking gift I was given to like give me some guardrails. And there is this idea, and Walt Disney talks about it, and it was in the book um, Steal Like an Artist. He said, creativity and imagination comes into play when you've been given boundaries. If you give one piece of paper and you tell somebody they have to create something, but they can't go off the paper and they can only use a pencil, then they're like, oh, how do I... If you tell somebody, create what you want, people get paralyzed because they're like, oh, I don't know where to begin. I don't know. Like, what? And, they, and they, it's just, just too much choice. When you're given a very small container, small house, a small car, a small budget, man, the creativity starts popping and you start going, oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. So I want to encourage people who feel like they're in some sort of uh, a prison, a container, a really small place, that is a gift to be able to really start to fire up the creativity inside. And of course that expands and expands and expands, but that is uh, uh, how I now see my kids as utter gifts. And I have built a multi-million dollar business because I'm at home working because my kids are here. I love that. People need to hear it. Yeah, people need to hear it because it's so easy to say, oh, you know, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, if I hadn't. I love that reframe that you brought there. 
So looking around at what are the barriers in your life and really seeing like, what would my life be without these barriers? Is it, was it really as great as all that? Yes. Well, well, yes. And, you know, there's definitely times I still find myself going, I can't travel as much, you know, as a single parent, I don't, we don't don't get to travel as much. There's custody things we have to share. I can't move to Italy when I want to, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that, and so I'm like, okay, let's go back to the beginning. You know, somebody outside of you is doing bad things to you. Like, it's not true. Okay. Like, how do we reframe this? Right. And see it in a different light. Um, and so, yeah. But just going back to some just real quick practical tips, because I, I do I do want to, to be help people who um, are actually on the ground doing this. My first year or two, when the kids were babies, it was hard because I've always worked from home. But I would say in the last four years, my, my office was my kitchen table, just like a lot of people. I have a laptop and a notebook at the end of a kitchen table. Like that is such a true story. And so when your kids see you at the kitchen table, available out in the open, a child does not know, oh, mommy's really busy. She's, she's working right now. It is very unfair to assume a child knows what you need, what you're doing and all that. So managing expectations up front is, is critical. And you are the, you are the parent and the responsible one. So being able to help the child understand that I highly recommend as fast as you can find some place that has some sort of communication like mom's working, right? Gives them, it, it, it diffuses a situation where you could be embarrassed if you're on a call or you feel embarrassed because kids are running around. Like that's not fair to you and it's not fair to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that can be really tough. I know I have a very open concept home and so my son will come home. I actually uh, don't schedule calls in certain time frames because I know he's going to come home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then I can greet him and we can get him occupied. And then, so that's one of the things that I do um, out of necessity. Yes. Out of kindness. It's kindness yeah. to your clients, to yourself, to your child. It's just, we think, oh, I have to do. The other thing is when you think, oh, I have to, the client will be mad or I have to. You're like, oh, oh, oh no. You, you set the stage, you set the pace, you set the expectations, right? Instead of hoping everything goes well, no, that's where I feel like you have to manage some of that stuff as best you can up front. Yes. Yeah. I was actually working with my sister this weekend and we have um, some big, exciting things that we're, you know, brewing up together, kind of bouncing ideas off of each other. And she, she's like, oh, kids, I really have to work is what she might normally say. And we reframed it like from mommy has to work right now. I know I'm taking time away from you to mommy's got some really big, exciting ideas that she needs to put some time into. And I just need a little bit of space, right? So creating that story for your kids where it's a real positive and you're building something. And I think creating that physical boundary, that workspace where they know what to expect from you there. I think that's a really cool piece, you know, cool part of that, that idea. Yeah. Can I tag onto that, Lindsay? Because, um, the other thing I'll share that was a big shift for me about a year ago was something you just talked about. Um, our time is limited and everybody wants a piece of the time. And if you operate from a mentality that people are taking time from you or interrupting your time or stealing your time, then that comes from a very low energy and it can be really frustrating. You build up resentment. 
And so I found that um, instead of waiting for my kids to ask me to take them somewhere or whatever, we got really clear about me giving time to them. So it was like, okay, here's the time I'm able to give. Here are the date. I said, this is when the bus is leaving. Okay, the bus leaves this. It could I call my uh, mover. Here, this is when the bus is leaving, and I will take you wherever you need to go. I'll make sure that you get picked up. But this is, and and, and I reframed him. I'm same amount of time driving, right? Is just like I'm giving it to you, and when giving is a is a definitely higher energy vibration than you know, kind of like it being taken from you. And if you can reframe that, even with clients, they're not interrupting you or taking your time. You are giving it to them. Could you also do that to your partner? Could you do that to your kids? Could you do that to different people? So that's one way to be able to quickly reframe. I love that. You said Uber. That's really funny. The um, Uber is leaving. <laughs> the mama Uber. <laughs> yeah. Carmel, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say the, um, yeah, the whole idea of uh, shifting your language from something like I have to, to mm-hmm. I get to, or I'm choosing to, it's just more empowering and really it, it seems it seems so uh, simple and maybe like it wouldn't make that big of a difference, but you know, language is such an important part of. I mean, we're thinking with our brain, and language is how we translate all of our thoughts into something kind of more tangible. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the right word, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if we if we shift our language, it really does shift how we perceive what's going on. Yeah. And I liked Lindsay in that story too. You're also bringing the kids or bringing your family along on the journey. Um, you know, there's a fine line between going overboard, um, but, and not like, Oh, you have to know mommy's really busy. that from, from trying to prove a point or trying to justify something, that's not a great, it's not a great intention, but to bringing people along with you is, um, is a really great way to one, express it as a single parent. Sometimes you don't have anybody else to talk to. <laughs> so even if you're just saying it out loud to a kid, you're like, Oh, this is what mommy's working on. You know, I'm excited. I'll tell you about it. Um, just bringing them along. They do feel a little bit more involved. Absolutely. And it's as a great example. I mean, my teenagers, they are fired up on their own. They've heard years of business podcasts, um, ideas that they had that were small ideas that grew into big ideas. And now it's neat to see how they bring that into their journey as well, which is kind of unintended, but amazing. Um, Yeah. Can you talk to me about or ask about some of the freedom that you've created in your own life? As an entrepreneur, making your own decisions about your schedule, letting go of what you should be doing as a parent, and just creating the life that you actually want to live, I'd love to know what that looks like. Yes, yes. It is probably one of the things I'm most proud of is that when I found something I didn't like, I decided I wanted to change it, and then I actually changed it. And then, of course, out of that, then you want you want something more or different, you know, it's an evolution of things, right? Um, here's a, here's a, I have a bunch of, I have a bunch of examples because this is one of the things I have a lot of fun playing around with. After a couple, the first couple years, there's, there's, I cannot get around. You got to hustle the first couple years. I'm sorry. I I just don't know how else to say you got to get your feet underneath you. And I don't think what I'm about to share with you is like what everybody deserves or is owed to them when they sit down to say, I'm going to start a business or be a freelancer or whatever. my personal opinion. Anyway, so about two years in, once I was like, oh my gosh, 
this is working, it's not all gonna fall apart, I actually have what it takes, all the things you need to do to be like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, my accountant's like, this is for real. I'm like, yeah, I guess so, this is for real, let's do this, right? Um, so I had it, whatever that moment is for you, some people could come to it faster, it just took me a little bit longer to come to it. Um, my business coach was like, well, what's next? Are you gonna just keep raising how much you wanna earn? Like, that gets boring, and I was like, yeah, actually it does. He's like, let's play with time. Do you think you could make the same amount of money um, 10 months a year instead of 12? And I was like, oh, hey, hey, now we're having fun. He's like, do you think you could do it in four days instead of five? I was like, oh, I want to try that. He's like, what if you could do it you know, from 10 to four instead of nine to five? And I was like, so, so, so that was a mind hack of like, wait, that's possible? I don't have to? I don't have to? So that was the first kind of permission to... Uh, design like what I like and what I didn't like. Um, I started taking Wednesdays to work. Go, Carmel. You want to jump in? I, I just wanted to say I I love that there's there's this sense of play in how yeah. you're talking about like that like let's see what we can do let's let's um let's create let's um you know think outside the box or you know to be cliche but yeah. I, I, there's there's a real sense of play that yes. you brought into that that I think. Uh, you know, if if people did that, you know, especially as adults, we don't we don't think of work as something that can be playful and fun. It's like yes. work. So if you <laughs> come so, at if it, bring that could, mindset in. Yeah, if, if you come at it because you're resentful or you're angry and you're like f you, I'm not going to work. I'm going to then then you're gonna you're gonna come up with the wrong ideas around it, right? Like the 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 thoughts and impulses that are going to drop in are going to come from a, a kind of a heavier place, wrong intentions. Um, I am an Enneagram three, which means I'm kind of competitive, very competitive. And I love to solve challenges and I love to overachieve, but sometimes you can't just keep achieving in the same thing. It's like, how, you know, how do you keep just making more money? I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. It wasn't like I was making millions, but anyway, I needed a new challenge. So I started taking Wednesdays to only work on the business and no client calls. Ooh, that was hard. Cause I would, I said it. But I didn't schedule it. So then the calls would creep in. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be doing Wednesdays. And then I wasn't basically living in integrity, which now I teach all about. About you say you want something, but then you don't actually do it. That is a huge energy leak. That is very detrimental. And if you're doing it in one area of your life, you're probably doing it in a lot of areas of your life. And that is a really hard one to kind of accept. So over time, I won't go through all the different scenarios, but one year I took two months off to, to kind of be with the kids, not at one time, but two different separate months. Um, my schedule now doesn't start. I don't take calls till 10 o'clock um, in the morning, and I try to finish around 2 o'clock, so I have some space. Four hours a day. How do you do that? Over time, slowly, slowly, slowly. And then you time block. You literally, whatever's important to you, you block in your calendar. And if you have to make exceptions, that's fine. But you've got to block it first. And that feels scary. It feels um, constrictive. <gasps> but what if a client wants to get on a call? What if I get a discovery call? What All that what ifs come in. And that only is, uh, is fueled by scarcity, fear, lack. And I'll tell you what, I believe when you get yourself in alignment, in center, in flow, whatever it is, you can get a lot more done faster. 
You can attract the right people into your life that give you great ideas or that are easy to work with, that don't micromanage you, that pay their bills and their invoices. Like you can attract stuff that makes things go faster even though you're not doing it yourself. So those were some of the things. And I'll say one more thing about this. I tell people when you're the boss, you get to decide. I love working on Saturdays. I love it. I love after we've had breakfast and done some exercise, two hours where I have no calls and I just get to do whatever I want in my in my office. And you know, people are like, oh, you shouldn't work on the weekends. I call bullshit. You work whenever is important to you to work. And if you love working, then do that. So all of those shoulds needs to just need to come off of you and say, you know, what feels good to me right now? What would I love to do right now? And then learn how to communicate it to anybody around you that needs to understand that by managing those expectations. Kind of like deciding that even the things that you shouldn't do, you know, really looking at those and making your own rules, making your own guardrails. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's all about what's workable for you, right? Yeah. There's no right, no wrong, no shoulds or shouldn'ts. It's what is workable, no guilt. <laughs> what is workable for me and the people in my life? And I think shifting to that idea of what's workable versus what should I do yes. or what can I do, it's, you know, it, there, it's, it's, you know it, it, again, it feels like maybe semantics, but it, it makes a big difference. And it sets such a good example for your kids that mom's happy and she's fulfilled and she's creating the life and she's holding the vision and creating that life. Instead of mom feels kicked down by life and mom is struggling against things that are true, but she doesn't want to accept. I mean, they're two completely different mom pictures or parent pictures too. Yeah. Yeah. My kids have seen just an utter transformation and they're old enough now to be on Instagram. So they see a lot of what's going on through a screen, which look, this is the way things are these days, right? We may not have face-to-face conversations about stuff. But they hear me on my social media talking a lot about mindset stuff. You know, I've shifted away from freelancing and story brand and upwork to just general human being stuff, right? And they're getting, they're hearing it. I'm, I'm parenting them through Instagram, which cracks me up, but that's the world we live in. And they're, but they're also seeing it. And I'll tell you one thing. I, I wrote an article or blog, it was probably two years ago now. I said, I have an audience of one. Because my daughter will call bullshit on anything. If she sees me post something on Instagram that's not happening in real life, oh, you better believe that's not that's not going to hold. So I said, I have an audience of one. When I post something, and people are like, oh, is that really your life? I'm like, yeah, I have a built-in you know quality checker here. So now I have three of them um, that are very focused on authenticity and being true and all this stuff. So um, it's always a really good boundary um, when you're creating stuff. <laughs> yes. No, no bull crap here, right? Yeah. I love that. It's yeah. really cool. So we have a few lightning round questions that we'd love to make sure we have time for. But before we do that, is there anything else we haven't gotten into that you really wanted to leave single parents with um, through this call today? I, you know, I touched on, I was able to touch on the, the, the few things, uh, reframing um, the whole situation. I love the reframe of the giving versus taking. That has just been super helpful for me um, this, in this last year. 
And um, I think also just realizing you don't have to get it all done this calendar year. You don't have to prove your worth this calendar year. Like it, 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 it somehow I used, I, I still do. I'm so guilty of this timeline from January to December, and it's a report card. And trying to shift that around a little bit and realize it doesn't have to be. You get to make it however it is, right? It doesn't have to be at the end of the year. Did you did you do good or you didn't good? Um, I think if the last two years have taught us anything, is that we can have a lot of crap thrown at us and still thrive. Like, really, isn't our surroundings that cause us to be successful? It, it is really how you see things. And if I can give any encouragement, is try not to put too much value or and weight on what you currently see and leave some space to imagine what is possible, like what could be. And so I stopped listening to like talk radio. I really pulled back on social media. I stopped having people tell me, this is how life is. This is how life is. And I kind of made some space to be like, what do I want? What do I want? What do I want in terms of how do I want things to be? And as the more and more I grow and expand, the fewer and fewer voices and things in my world are going to be actually helpful to me. It's going to be fewer and fewer. So reading more books and getting into podcasts and then actually just being quiet <laughs> and trusting the, the voices inside is being able to help me. So um, that's one thing is if you're constantly focused on your outside voices and influences, it's just like walking through mud. You kind of have to shake some of those off and just ask yourself, what's possible and what do I want? What lights me up, right? And kind of go in that direction. I love that imagery that it's like letting those those voices cling to you is like walking through mm-hmm. mud. And when you can mm-hmm. shed them, it's like, whew, everything gets lighter, you know? Start yes. listening to that inner voice more. Yes. Because it's, it's dying to be heard. Yes. And it's smarter than anything else. Like if we believe it's connected to to higher reasoning and thinking and infinite intelligence and creativity, why would you not want to listen to that? One of my daily practices is silence, uh, meditation and silence, which are two very different things. And the silence part is so hard. I got stuff to do. I ain't got time to be silent. I ain't got time to just like not whatever. And that has been some of the most productive instruction, downloads, inspiration, impulses that I was like, ah, and it only takes a few minutes a day to, to just receive what's already there. It's just kind of clearing out the noise to let that come through. Clearing out the noise. Totally. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's almost like you know, being an entrepreneur is an opportunity to really develop yourself and to challenge yourself. And in similar way, being a single parent with all the challenges that you might be looking at is really just an opportunity to grow. And, and you've really taken that opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And I'll say this about, it's funny because I have a partner um, that I've been with for years now. And so part of me is this imposter syndrome. Like, am I a single parent? I believe if you um, are not with the children's father, even if somebody else comes into the world or into your life, Um, For us, we've chosen for me to still continue to be the single parent, meaning I am the parent. He has a role in the house that is important, but not as a parent. And so 
I never looked for relief. I never looked for a solution. I never looked for a hero. I've never, even when he's like, oh, you know, I can go pick up the kids or I've never put the responsibility or weight. I've never shifted it back. I have held on to it. And so if you are a single parent, be careful of the trap of looking to offload it or release it or share it again. If you can just really fully own it and just go, this may be whether I'm with a person, whether I get married or whether I'm single, I have, I can stay consistent in this and not, you know, kind of shift around a little bit. And I I think it's powerful to own that, you know, I can, I can do hard things. Yes. You know, I can, I can manage all of this and, and I don't need to be rescued. Yes. Well, and for many people, like I said at the very beginning, it's much easier without all the energy stuff from before, okay? Like, it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard things, but I'd rather do hard things all by myself than try to do the same thing of raising kids with uh, an unhappy you know, happy relationship. So there's a lot of benefit um, to leaving that into being on your own. Yes, that can be like that mud, that mud that can, that can make you really slow if, yeah, if you, if you stay with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. This is yeah. so great. So Lisa, a few lightning round questions. Sure. Single parenting is, could you give us a quick thought on that? Taking full responsibility, um, not looking outside of yourself for like looking around to find somebody to rescue you. And if you have parents nearby or aunties, or you're always thinking, oh, you know, everybody should be pitching in here. You're just always seeking outside yourself. So for me, single parenting is just, just knowing you have everything you need inside and being self-sufficient when it comes to raising your kids and being okay with that. Can you tell us one of your favorite traditions or rituals you have with your kids now that you're a solo mm. or a single parent in that way? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's a tra- I don't know if it's a tradition so much, but um, our big moments are around traveling together, and we have a family trip that we'll do you know each year, and that is really special. The kids get it; they're not like, "Oh, I don't want to go." They understand that. They, they call this the boring house. We are a boring family. We are very disciplined. They know exactly what to expect when they're at this house because they share. They're with us like 80% of the time. Um, but we go on some crazy, amazing trips. And so that is super special for us because they know they are seeing what it's like to, you know, um, spend extravagantly on what's important to us and save mercilessly on what's not important to us. That's how we kind of reframe it. And um, I know the kids uh, find that to be a special time because they see mom come alive when I travel. And that is when they get really the best of me. I can identify with that. Yeah. I love that. What's the most important thing you learned from your parents? Again, self-sufficiency. Um, I had to buy my first car and I asked my dad for help and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, I'm not great at this kind of stuff. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. And I had to choose my own college and buy my own car, get my first job. And I, I, I resented them for a long time because I felt like they didn't care. And in hindsight, one, they felt like ill-equipped. They felt unsmart. They actually felt unqualified to do that. And it was the greatest gift they gave me was to gently have me make my own decisions at a really early age. And um, it's so easy 
to get sucked into making those decisions for your kids or helping them. And I'm not saying I'm going to do that exactly that way. I'm going to be able to frame it for my kids rather than just act like you know I don't care or I'm not it's not important. Um, but yeah, that's the greatest thing is I literally had to make some really big decisions, um, which they supported at a young age, and I, I'm I'm really glad for that. What's the most beneficial habit that you have right now? What's the best habit that you've got these days that you would share with everyone? Uh, it's been two years, uh, and I meditate every day, twice a day for 20 minutes. I practice the transcendental meditation um, practice of just being quiet, no guided, no music, no looking at a candle. Like, And I do that first thing in the morning and around 4.30 in the afternoon, so not at bedtime, um, in the afternoon. And it's literally like taking a shower in the afternoon of just like washing off all of the the monkey mind, the worries, the emotions, and literally just like releasing it. And then I get to show up for kids, family, dinner, working out. Just, I want to say a totally different person, but whew, just clearing all of that out. And I think that has been a secret weapon um, for the last, yeah, it's been two years since we started that. That's amazing. So many people don't keep it up. So that's great to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Carmel, did you have anything last things to add? Ask. I no, I didn't. You know, I just I really appreciate this conversation today. You bring so much wisdom from your experience, and you know, I think there's that the people who are listening are going to get so much from this, mm. so much inspiration, but also you know, you bring a lot of practical lessons from your experience. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. You know, one insight, here's what happens for people who listen to things like this. They get all excited and their emotions go high and they, they can be high higher energy because of it. And then, you know, what happens, we go away and forget what, kind of what we heard. And so I always try to teach when I coach people, it's just like, find one, just find one insight that you could say, oh, how do I feel about this? Or what could I do with this? And you'll watch momentum pick up for you because you, you got inspired, you made a decision, you took action on it. If you can, if you can do that, you can repeat that process over and over and over and over again and get yourself out of any kind of stuck situation. Um, but we don't need all all the things. We just need one thing. I love that. We could add that to the format. That's fantastic. Thank you. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Before you leave, we want to give a big shout out to our friend and musician, Laura Kosh, who wrote our intro slash outro music. Laura is the singer songwriter for the band, The Quirks, and you can find them online at thequirks, If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share it with other single parents in your life. Thanks for listening. 